Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. I wanted you to do the music so I could have somebody else. Aram, one to ten, how much do you hate that intro music? Like hearing it live. I, I don't think it's it that bad. I don't no, think it's, it's that not. bad. It's, uh, because on a hate scale, it's, it's like a three. Oh, okay. That's all right. That's a level of hate. I can deal with that. All right. Wait, Arm late. But on the like scale, what level is it? Negative four. That's out oh, the conversion. Six. Solid six or seven. Six. Me, it's, it swings both my, ways. He's a yes. Arm's a yes, man. Here's the problem. I can already tell uh, where this is going. Yeah, we'll see. If you ask me about friends. the wrong prospect, you'll see I won't be a yes man. So we'll, Ooh. we'll see where it goes. So we call it tease. All right. We don't do this often. We're going to just jump in and open the show. So Arm Layton. Just Baseball, and a billion other things. The writer of the top 100 that just came out, the prospect list. We want to dig into that. Jesse, say your pleasantry to him. Uh, hi, Arm. How are you? Are you, are you oh. having a great day? Is that what you... No, the, how the heck are you? Come on, man. See, it, it, you guys were much less kind on the greeting before we recorded. Uh, I, I didn't think there was as, my, as many pleasantries. I'm doing well. Thank you. That's because we weren't recording, so we have to be... Yeah. <laughs> we're real. Like, we are real, what you call red light people. You put the you put the, the recording on. We like people. As soon as Arm. it goes off, we are just ripping things to shreds. Get out. Um, thank you for joining, by the way, and you have something else you have to go to. So we can't do too much chit chat nonsense talk right now, right? No, we got enough time. We got enough time. I was able to push it back a little bit. So, okay, um, let's skip it anyways. Cause no one likes got time to talk collectibles with you guys, talk baseball with you guys. I always enjoy it. So we, we should be fine. I want to dig into it, man. So you guys, so just baseball, by the way, I'm not clear about this. Are you the sole writer of this top, the top 100? You have a partner who's jacking on this too. So Jack, you know, helps me with with info background. He's a play by play broadcaster in AAA for the Indianapolis Indians. So, you know, he gets to see a lot of different guys in person. Definitely helps me with that. In terms of the actual writing of all 100 write ups, that is me. Um, We've continued to bring people on that uh, I think will be traveling around getting in person looks and kind of helping me with that. But for now, um, yeah, all 30,000 words of, you know, those 100 write ups are are me uh, based on conversations I've had with with evaluators, teams, uh, data I have access to, in-person looks, video looks. Uh, it takes me a really long time, but it's probably my most like proud piece of work. And uh, we get a lot of content spinning off of that, whether it's on the collectible side, the podcast side, we'll be breaking down all of the rankings on our podcast, The Call Up, which I'm always talking prospects and cards there. So um, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And it's it's kind of my passion. So I, as I was going through this before you came on, I started reading it and it reads like as if it's almost meant specifically for guys who invest in baseball cards. I mean, cause it's like future value. I know it does, it can mean their value on, on the field, but in this sense, it's like, Oh, this is almost like a list of who I should be investing in as far as my card purchases go. Did, was there a lot of thought or any thought given to that when putting it together? Uh, you know, it's funny. It, it's there's an overlap. Of course, my focus is specifically. You know, I think the, the the rule of thumb that I try to work through is that 
you know, prospect number 53 would never be traded for prospect number 54 on that list. So I'm thinking Bryce about Turing it and Emmanuel Rodriguez, by the way. Thank you. That yeah, okay. I know that's a big hype prospect as well. But I'm excited to talk about him. But from that lens, it's like, you know, tradable assets or, you know, if you're a GM, you're looking at each player as an asset and a value. And there's an overlap there with cards. So I'm looking at it from the lens of would I trade this player for the player ahead of them? Um, and that's where risk becomes involved. We talk about future value. There's some players with lower future value grades that are ranked ahead of players with higher future value grades. And that's where the, you know, perceived risk is kind of built into that as well. Emmanuel Rodriguez is a perfect example. His ceiling is top 10 guy in baseball, top 10 prospect in baseball. But how much am I willing to pallet that risk? It's funny. As a GM, it would be the same question. As a card investor, it's the same question. Uh, so that's why there's that overlap there. So indirectly, the answer would be yes, I guess. So All yeah, right. this is the reason for the segment too, just for the audience. Because again, our audience, we're not a huge baseball audience in general. We kind of tend to lean toward basketball, base, uh, basketball, football with the listening audience. But the card world to me still revolves around baseball and it's good timing. Like we, we're coming off 2022 baseball, which was the most unbelievably loaded, fantastic rookie class in cards ever. Like it was just stupid good. 2023, I think a lot of people expected a letdown, but now we're seeing some guys kind of sneak in. So I kind of just want to go about this from the card angle, obviously, for our, for our audience. So just a, kind of a high level, guys who you think or who are already being seen as rookies. We'll get to the prospects after, but specifically rookies, any of these guys are we going to actually see in product by the end of the year, you think, or are none of them going to get called up in time for that? In terms of like guys on the top 100 list? Guys, on, yeah, yeah, strictly your top 100. Yeah, so that's actually a great question. And, and that's also kind of where the rankings are built in a little bit too, because there's several guys that on this list are ranked pretty high, either have had some early success already in the big leagues that you know matters, or guys that I think have already proven that they can get up here by the end of the year. So to answer your question, you know, one name that that really comes to mind is Zach Neto uh, of the Los Angeles Angels. And uh, that's somebody that, you know, just transparency, like I I've been picking up his cards because Neto, shortstop, super polished, has really just hit at every single stop, now is in double A, mashing. And and he's a guy that plays a position that the Angels really need. I wouldn't be shocked to see Neto playing shortstop, you know, in the second half of the season for the Los Angeles Angels. So like that's, that's actually a guy wild. that I'm definitely watching closely on the position that player side. I think there's a lot more pitchers who could break through. I know that that's a, a touchy subject with a, with a lot of collectors, but at the end of the day, when a guy's a really electric pitcher, yeah, you see people want to collect them. Um, Sal Freelix, another one with the Brewers. Uh, I don't know where he fits in right now because of Garrett Mitchell's performance and Joey Weimer, but Freelick, if the Brewers are making a push, there's going to be a spot for him on the roster. Uh, so that's another guy that I would watch pretty closely that could get a big league call up. And then I think the most exciting potentially is is Curtis Mead of the Rays. Curtis, Re Curtis Mead absolutely rakes. That's a team that's obviously undefeated to start the season, has no problems in the infield right now, but they've had injury issues over the last couple of years. You don't wish that on anybody, uh, but it's just the nature of the beast in a 162 game season. Curtis Mead's one of the best offensive forces in the minors and could end up playing a big role on a World Series contender in the race. Yeah, so I, I mean, Neto's interesting to me because he's a 2022 draft guy and he's actually, I mean, he's actually a, probably a top five selling guy out of that draft class. And he's dirt cheap. Like, you can still pick up his base autos for like 60, 70 bucks. So I didn't know he was that close, actually. That's interesting. I noticed that the you mentioned in your little write-up before the list gets started that uh, Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson had already gone out. 
I assume and you listed them as number one and number two. They were originally number one and number two on the list. Is that what you were saying? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I was hoping to get this list out by, um, you know, minor league opening day. Obviously, there were some technical delays on the back end. There's some new functionality that's pretty cool that we're excited about to be able to navigate the list. And then also there were just some write-ups that took me a little bit longer, some new players I wanted to add in. So by the time the list was ready to go, Corbin and Gunner had graduated, which was actually good because it allowed me to put some new names in there, which is, is a lot more fun. Everyone knows Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson are good. To me, those guys even going into this year were big leaguers that we were ranking as prospects. But Corbin was number one because of just, you know, had nothing to do with the performance in the early going. He was number one in, our, in last year's rankings at the end of the season as well. I just think he's more dynamic. I think he's, you know, five-tool guy that does everything and, and will surprise you with the power. But to me, it was kind of a, a they were in their own class, Gunner and Corbin, as, you know, one and two. And then the next guys were, were kind of just below there um, with like Jordan Walker, Ellie De La Cruz, and, and the rest. So with this list coming out in after the season started, did you have to go back uh, and change some of the order of this? Or would you say some of this may even now be out of date, even though it just came out today? No, you know, it, it was something that I, I pretty much stuck to my my guns because, you know, it would be silly, I think, to to have your, your perspective on a player change, you know, within 10 games or less. Uh, but there were a couple notable adjustments by specifically pitchers in the early going like Matthew Libertor was a guy that was on the back end of the top 100 and then he came out in his first three starts and velocity was up two miles per hour the curveball looked ridiculously good and he just mowed through guys that was somebody that looked different bumped him up a little bit but for the most part it, you know it, it's it's pretty much what I was expecting it to be in the early going Zach Neto probably earned himself a, a little bump just because of how good he looked through spring and in the early going this year. But spring training was kind of baked into this as well, which was still a larger sample size than, you know, what we had from this week of baseball uh, at the regular season, you know, side of things. So it, the other thing I was wondering about too, it, Jordan Walker, I mean, he's been playing outstandingly. Was that one all, always at number two on this list? Yes. Um, Walker, honestly, with how good he started, was, was you know, making the case for number one. Um, my my one concern, and it's not even a concern, the guy hits and that's what his job is to do is hit. But if we're talking about prospect rankings here, I'm basing it off of, you know, what I think their total war accumulation is going to be, right? And Ellie De La Cruz is a shortstop who is you know, a 30-30 threat. If it all works out, could be our first 40-40 guy in a long time. Um, Jordan Walker's learning a new position in the outfield and he's, he's doing all right out there, but you know, I, I don't know if he brings as much value beyond the bat, whereas De La Cruz is going to be one of the, the, the best base stealers in Major League Baseball if, if he's healthy and, and looks right uh, and, and offers just as much power as Jordan Walker. And uh, I don't think the swing and miss concerns are that far off. So just a little bit more dynamic of a player, a switch hitter. Uh, and, and I think in Great American Ballpark, Ellie De La Cruz could be, you know, his ceiling is best player in baseball. How many years have you been putting out this list? This is our third year of the full top 100 list. How accurate would you say in previous years, your, you know, I, I, they're not predictions, but how, how accurate would you say that you've been as far as what you thought a player was going to do and what they actually did? Oh yeah. That's yeah, a list? great question. That's a great question. Cause yeah, I'm just curious how, how trustworthy we want to, I mean, I'm not disparaging your list whatsoever. I just, uh, I think this is a, amazing list for a lot of card investors. I don't want to like steer them to go out and check this out. 
And then it turns out, yeah, we're wrong about like 70% of the time. So that stinks. I, I honestly, this is probably one area where I, I really think was, was what got just baseball started in terms of like, um, especially in the minor league side of just trying to, to fill the voids of what I thought was kind of missing in, in player evaluation, you know, balancing the data and what you see, you know, with your own eyes as well. And, you know, kind of building that all in with, you know, factoring in a lot of other things as well. I think we've we've done a pretty good job. I I, I feel very confident in, in those lists. And the thing is, is you can go back and look at them. So you can go look, look at just baseball's 2021 top prospect list and, you know, tell me what you think if you're listening out there. And I, I think, you know, we're not going to be perfect. It's There's a lot of variables that go into these guys that's on the field and off the field. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. But I would say, you know, I feel very confident in, in what we put out here relative to, you know, a lot of the other lists that you'll see. And, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of our readers and listeners feel that way as well. All right. Let me hit you with some specific names now, because just to, to really like dial it in for the card guys, you know, like you said, Ellie Dela Cruz, obviously he's a prospect in 2022 Bowman. He's had a bunch of stuff though when Bowman's best this year or 2022 best. I don't think we'll see him much in 2023 product because he's kind of that prospect still. Jordan Walker, though, is obviously somebody we're going to see as a rookie in 2023 product, probably in the next two or three months, I would guess. Uh, so you're you're high on this guy. Like Jordan Walker, it looks like he can hit. It looks like he's a legit big league bat. Anthony Volpe, kind of the same question. Where are you on those two? Because we're going to start seeing rookie cards of those two this year. What are your thoughts on them as kind of a buy, sell, hold? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard when these guys have the the the, the hype that they have. You know, where it's it's kind of hard to justify buying, I think, a Jordan Walker or or an Anthony Volpe at this point. I haven't seen the prices more recently. I'm sure Walker's going up, up and up as he has a hit in every single big league game so far. And Volpe might be letting out a little bit of air, which I think would be kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, Volpe's job, I think it's important to note, is is a little bit more encompassing right now as a rookie coming up to the big leagues, playing shortstop, the youngest shortstop for the Yankees since Derek Jeter, which is not lost on him. And it's been made very apparent to him over and over and over again. Um, and, and then he also has to figure out how to, how to hit at the big league level too. I'm not worried about Volpe with a slow start, uh, but I think both of those guys are priced pretty high where it's like, when I'm looking at those guys, I figure they have to become perennial all-stars at that price or else I'm losing money. So generally it's, it's hard for me there. I will hold if I pull one of those guys because I believe in both of them um, unless I want to buy something else. But generally I end up seeing other prospects like a Zach Neto or even uh, I, I have a question for you guys on Jackson Merrill because of his whole card fiasco. Uh, but like his cards are super cheap. Like I, I would probably rather have a, a out of 99 of one of those guys than a base, you know, of, of Walker or Volpe. I don't know if that's directly as close as it is, but point standing yeah like jackson merrill's like unbelievably cheap right now like his bowman chrome first i believe he's a 2022 yeah 2022 bowman chrome just to kind of put in perspective an sgc 10 of that card again just the base is doing like 40 to 50 bucks anthony volpe actually i thought this was interesting i just bought some cases of this last night because i forgot about the checklist Mm -hmm. 2020 bowman is volpe's year that was dominguez all the way the same card, so a base Volpe, now as a PSA 10, not an SGC, is going going for seven to 800. What? He's literally outselling Jackson Merrill. What is that, 20 to one? Well, not 20, 16 to one. That's insane. Wait, so 2020, you got Bowman's, what was it? 
I lo- I bought him last night. I-, I got a call randomly from a rep, and it was like, so yeah, Aaron will appreciate this. The 2020 class, when it first came out, was mm-hmm. Jason Dominguez. First Chrome. It was insane. It was wild. He's still selling for like seven, 800 bucks as a mm-hmm. PSA 10. It was Bobby Witt, whose pricing is still super high. And then a guy named Robert Poussin for the Oakland A's, who just never, cards are worth nothing. But I still kind of like it. But Volpe was the other guy in that class for the well, Yankees. Jordan Walker's in that year, isn't he? He's 2020 no, he's Bowman's a, best. He's a 2020 Bowman Chrome guy. So I'm talking specifically about the April release. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yep. No, no, you're good. So yeah, I actually, the guy messaged last night, the rep, he's like, hey, we've got random 2020 cases. So immediately I was just like, well, Volpe and Dominguez, yes. I forgot Bobby Witt's in that. And then let me ask you about another guy, Arm. Brennan Davis, I know he kind of fell out of favor last year. He is dirt cheap though. I think he's on your list in the 70s-ish, somewhere like that. What are your thoughts on him and when are we going to see him? So Brennan was one of my my biggest you know buys a couple of years ago after I saw him in, in High A South Bend, uh, and, and I was I was floored at his ability. He unfortunately dealt with a back issue last year that really uh, he, he tried to play through it in the early going, and this was a guy that flew through the minor league, so he reaches Triple A at twenty two, um, and, and so it's not a big deal that last year was kind of a wash for him with the back. Had a procedure done, came back. You know, was a little shaky out of the gate and then looked better and better and better. Exit velocities went up, up, and up. Um, there's definitely some risk there. He's a tall, lanky guy with big power uh, who is coming off of a back issue. But at that price point for a Cubs player that I can promise you that the Cubs value him like a potential franchise cornerstone type. That's why they're so careful with him. Uh, they love him. Uh, that's a guy that I, I still believe in. That's why you see him in the top 100. There's risk acknowledged there, but his upside is, you know, a big power, everyday center fielder who just does everything well. Dude, his card is like that same, again, just to stick kind of use apples to apples. His first Chrome PSA 10 is under a hundred bucks. Again, like 12% of Volpe and Dominguez. Question for you guys on that. The first autograph of Brennan Davis doesn't have the first on it, right? Same case with Jackson Merrill. How much does that impact the price? Because- like I know people want to see that fancy first in the top left but, or top right, whatever it is. But I just think it's interesting that it's his first autograph still. So why why is that any different? Yeah, so it's weird. So like Brennan Davis, Jackson Merrill's another guy. Actually, I think I'll have to double. Can you do me a favor on card letter? Pull up 2022 Jackson Churio Bowman Chromato. So it happens when a guy's first prospect card comes out in a previous product without an auto. Which stinks because then the so the like his base card is in 2020 Bowman, Brennan Davis, but is that's not true. Hang on here. You say no auto, Jackson. No, Jr. I want the auto. I'm trying to think how this is now because Brennan, Bren, yeah, Brennan Davis 2020 Bowman is his first autograph, but it doesn't have the first because he must have been was he a draft pick in 19? Brennan was 19 or 18. I think 19. I'm trying to think of when his first would be and why it's not on there then. Because it always, it just happens when a guy has a... He was a second rounder. So, you know, might have just kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit there. Okay. But that's kind of the general rule. If a guy has a card in a previous product, he has base cards. Those are his first. It'll say first. But they don't have autos. Yeah, like you said, the autos come out and there's no first on it. I, I think once people realize it, there's no issue. But a guy like Brennan Davis is so under the radar now. People will look at this card and not see a first and not do any research because, again, it's Brennan. It's a $70 card. But this is the type of guy, if he goes, because he won two years ago. Didn't he win the uh, MVP in that in the minor league game, the minor league all-star game? Yeah, he did. In the, in the Futures game, he went yard twice to dead center. 
you know, and, and, and that was when I was, I was really trying to push the, the narrative on him. Cause I just, I love the way he played the game. So I, I was at that game jumping up and down. I usually stay pretty stoic, but I'm just a big fan of his. So no, I, I really hope he can get back to full strength. I can tell you the exit velocities are already, you know, coming back, but um, I mean, yeah, that's a guy that could be the center fielder for the Chicago Cubs, or at least the left or right fielder. And then Pete Crow Armstrong coming up behind, uh, who will hundred percent command center eventually, because he's one of the best defensive outfielders I've ever seen in the minors. But that aside, I mean, Brennan, you know, they're going to give him every chance as a guy that they value extremely highly in Chicago. Yeah, I like him just because he's dirt cheap. A couple of the names I just want to throw past you uh, just to kind of get your opinion. Tristan Casas in Boston, obviously super slow start. He's going to be a rookie this year in 2023 product. He was a 2020, I believe he's 2020, first Chrome. What's, what's your kind of analysis of his? Worth buying, not? What are we doing? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Casas fan. I still am. You know, the 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 hit tool is a little bit more questionable, I think, than than maybe we thought in the early going in terms of like I thought it was you know comfortably above average. He might be closer to an average hitter, but he has a good approach, crazy power, and I think he can really feast at Fenway there. Another guy that's going to get every single chance in Boston as a guy that they love, uh, and and one of one of the more important bats. They don't really have anybody coming up. Um, at the corners as much they have you know Marcelo Meyer but nobody that's you know really a clear-cut middle of the order masher type and um, you know he's still really young has lost out on some at bats in the minor leagues because of COVID because of some some little nagging injuries here and there uh, but he has the potential to be special and in terms of like makeup work ethic all those things he's off the charts in that regard um, so you know I, I, I'm always going to believe in Casas and you just got to get more at bats under his belt I, I really do think that's it. Okay, last question for me, too. Two guys out of 2022. One of them's on your list, Royce Lewis. So Royce Lewis in 2022, rookie. He's in everything, dirt cheap. Alec Thomas is the other guy who I kind of fell for last year early. I thought he was good. Didn't really pan out as well, but he's dirt cheap. I am curious your thoughts on those two guys if we kind of go back a year to that 2022 class. Their values, by the way, the only reason I bring them up, they're so cheap because it was like Julio, Wander, Torkelson, Witt, Suzuki, O'Neill, Cruz. Oh, by the way, here's these other two guys. So, where do you stand on those two? I'm sold on Royce Lewis, the player at this point. And that was a guy that I was pretty worried about at points, especially with just the inconsistency with the swing. He had a lot of moving parts. It looked a little rough at times. He he really worked hard to quiet things down. And he's such a freak athlete that with a more quiet swing, he was hitting balls 113, 114 miles an hour, which is crazy. That's that's you know high high end stuff there. Uh, he looked phenomenal before going down. So my thing with Royce Lewis is it's kind of out of your hands. Uh, in terms of the player, I'm 100% confident that he could be a very solid major leaguer, potentially an all-star. But the injuries have just been ridiculous. Yeah. And now a the second ACLs. ACL tear. Ugh. Unfortunately, like he's playing center field trying to make a catch against the wall. And that's how he tore it. He's a shortstop. Like he's a guy that's so athletic, they've moved him all over. I think they're going to be more careful with him now. I don't think he's Byron Buxton uh, in terms of, of injury risk. But, you know, you, you got to acknowledge all the, all the injuries he's had at this point. To me, I think he's in a different bucket than Alec Thomas. Alec Thomas, I'm still worried about Alec Thomas, the player. Uh, you know, the glove is going to get him a lot of leeway. Uh, in terms of playtime, in terms of hanging around in the big leagues. But the the swing has been an issue. He cuts himself off. He just puts the ball on the ground too much. Uh, I, I don't know how much he's going to hit. And, and that's a team that has a, a litany of outfielders with more coming. He could be expendable for them. So I'm not as high on Thomas. I think he's a good player. Uh, but I don't know if you're going to see the, the, the card value there as a guy that's a glove first outfielder. Royce Lewis, if he's healthy, he could be an all-star. 
I like that. Uh, so I, I lied. Last question now. I'll actually end it with this. Uh, you know, we've talked about a bunch of guys. Obviously, anybody who we haven't spoken about that you just think, you know what, this is a guy who is being largely slept on that just you think has a chance to pop this year. I got I got a couple. One is is Casey Schmidt of of the San Francisco Giants. We have him, I think, where is it? It's right 75 on the list. And Schmidt's a guy that I, I got to watch him a ton through college, minor leagues, et cetera. He's a two-way player at San Diego State. He was their closer and their third baseman. He's one of the best defensive third basemen I've, I've ever seen in the minors. His arm is crazy, which really helps. But he can even play shortstop. When Marco Luciano was hurt, they put him at shortstop, and he was nasty there too. Uh, really good defensively. So I, I think he's a guy that could end up seeing some action at shortstop. The bat has gotten better and better and better. He broke out offensively last year, has continued to add more power, um, and is just a really solid hitter. To me, he's a really safe bet at being an everyday big leaguer. Um, and, you know, maybe doesn't have that perennial all-star ceiling, but he's a guy that's priced at pennies. Uh, and if you're getting an everyday third baseman who you know, could potentially be, you know, an above average guy there with a shot at making a few all-star games, he's priced at a guy that's, you know, almost an afterthought prospect. So that's a guy I really like there. Connor Norby of the Orioles just absolutely mashes baseballs and people keep ignoring him. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, just has put up crazy offensive numbers at every single stop, has flown to AAA, and I think could get an opportunity at the big league level kind of soon uh, for them. So that's another guy I really like. And then there's a million prospects I like in the 2023 set. I thought Bowman did a really good job of finally adding players that people want to chase instead of the, you know, with all due respect, the 17-year-old with a, you know, 220 batting average in the Dominican Summer League. They've added a lot more <laughs> they guys do love with, their with, international. <laughs> with proven success and high A, double A, triple A uh, in this 2023 set. And I'm really pumped about it. For example, like an Edouard Julien who just got called up. Rather have those guys in the set than that 17-year-old, you know, the, the fourth Acuna brother or something like that. I always think that's a little ridiculous. So I know Drew Jones is headlining that set. Like he's going to sell, I'm imagining, through the through this, like out of this world. Uh, I tread I mean, lightly. Oh, not a Drew guy. I like him. It's going to take a long time. You know, it, the bat is far behind. The glove is incredible. But again, like how many people are collecting glove first center fielders? Um, That's what scares me. And when you come out with that kind of hype and pricing, like I don't think anybody cares. You have a couple gold gloves. Like you've got to you've got to exactly. hit the ball to and, maintain. And, and he needs some swing adjustments to get there. I think. And uh, you know, I, I just. It's going to be a slow burn. I think you're going to have better opportunities to buy Drew Jones in a year. Um, I think he could be a great player, but just piling on right now, you're not going to miss the boat on Drew Jones. It's going to be a slow burn with him, I think. I agree. Hey, Arm, real quick, before you take off, uh, and we've got to get going because we've got another guest joining, but uh, there were some mailbag questions specifically for you. Do you mind like, if we just do rapid fire, yeah, throw no some out there real quick? Okay. Uh, Zach Olakasaka, that's my bad. I can't have time to pronounce that for arm with Ahmed Rosario struggling for the guardians who gets the first shot after him at shortstop. Ooh, that's a good question. They have the guardians have a million prospects that can play the middle infield. Uh, you know, they've got Brian Rocchio who I could see being an option there. He's a top 100 guy for us. He's at the 84 spot, really good defender, switch hitter, Puts bat on ball, can sneak some balls out of there. I think he could 
he could have that Jimenez type of ascension, but that's probably the ceiling. But that's a guy that could be playing every day middle infield for them. Gabriel Arias, too, is, is a really talented infielder who they could give some, some looks to. He ended up getting at-bats in the postseason for them last year. So I would say it's either Arias uh, or Rokio there. So Rokio, by the way, 2020 Bowman Chrome first. Arias, of course, was the big rookie last year in all the products. So, yeah, both attainable. Brett Hallamore wants to know, as an Angels fan, what prospect has the highest ceiling? Can Joe Adele bounce back? Zach Nito, baby. Yeah, I think look, Joe Adele is confusing. <laughs> I think Joe Adele is, is, is an example of how big of a jump AAA is to the big leagues, right? He's homered in eight, eight times in eight games in AAA, but he's just continued to struggle. Uh, at the big league level, I think he can bounce back. He's 23. He's he's got to figure it out. I, and I think he's a change, one of the prime change of scenery candidates, to be honest. And I think he could be a trade chip for them. Um, but I, I think Neto is somebody that obviously is is one of the best options that you could have there. But another one, I don't know if he has a card yet, uh, but I think he does. Edgar Caro, catcher. I know people don't love catchers, but Edgar Caro is a bat first catcher, switch hitter, a ridiculous field to hit. Sneaky power. They've fast-tracked him to double A because of how much they like him there. Uh, Caro could be a special talent for the Angels. Yeah, 2022 Bowman Chrome for his first. So, yeah, less than a year ago. All right, one last one. Uh, Don Getters wanted to know, which MLB rookie do you like better long-term, Volpe or Walker? Also, would both likely be in Series 2 this summer or held until update? That's a, The second part, I would, I would defer to you guys on that. I'm not sure what the trends typically are there. Uh, but... That's a really tough question because I think Walker's got the more ridiculous offensive ceiling. Uh, I think he's a guy that could hit 30, 35, maybe even 40 home runs in his prime. But there's something to be said about the guy that's playing everyday shortstop for the New York Yankees, right? And, and, and what that looks like pricing-wise. Because I think Volpe's a guy that could steal 40 bags, could hit 20 home runs, and, and could play a good shortstop there for the Yankees. So, man... I I think it's safer to bet on Jordan Walker just being a corner masher for the St. Louis Cardinals, and I could see that. And if he's a 30-plus home run guy, that you, you figure how young he is starting his career. You could start looking down the line at all the cumulative stats and all the milestones that this guy could hit in the best-case scenario, which is what we're always dreaming about here. Um, I think Walker is probably the, the better investment like long-term, uh, but I, you know, I think there's going to be ebbs and flows where those guys are kind of going over each other uh, over the next five, six, seven years. Awesome. Thank you. Aram, nice. appreciate it, man. Of course. Also, really excited. One more thing I wanted to, to mention because you asked us a couple times uh, or one, a couple episodes ago when I came on. We just launched our, our breaking arm. So we have just breaks. Oh, nice. Uh, we just did our first break yesterday. It was 2020, 2021, and 2022 Bowman Draft. It was a lot of fun. Um, really excited about that. So it's just underscore breaks on Twitter and on YouTube and everything, but really excited to be doing that. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, you know, kind of the meeting of, of worlds colliding and I'm really pumped about it. And where do guys find the top 100 list? Just so we can plug that too, before we let you go. Yeah. Thank you. It's just baseball.com. Uh, you can find it right there. It's, it's front and center. Um, and yeah, very excited about that and looking forward to hearing what people have to think about that or have to say about that. Awesome. Thank you for the time, man. We appreciate it. We'll share the link as well because, yeah, I've been studying it for a little bit. So thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thanks, Aram. Appreciate you guys. Don Getter's second question, by the way. I think they're going to split them. I think we'll see Jordan Walker in Series 2, and we'll see Volpe in Update. Oh, cool. If I had to guess. They usually like to stagger the, the big, big names. So kind of makes sense to do that. So, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. The great curator. Uh, where did you – where did this – 
come from the great curator? Was this just social media in general or have you, do you have a business, a side thing? No, I do the hobby as a, like a little side hobby, fun thing. I ha- I have a day job. Oh, you do? What's yeah. your day job? Uh, I'm a lawyer. Freak, everybody's a lawyer these days. <laughs> well, you and Cage lawyer, but other than that, everybody else I'm sure is too. Um, <laughs> that's very interesting. What kind of law do you practice? I do uh, family law divorce mediation. So I help people get divorces. Here, here's hoping I never have to give you a call. I wouldn't oh, ever. Dude, if, if first anything, of all, it's my I'll wife give you a free consultation. Call, so. yeah. yeah, your consultation would be, dude, keep her because this is never going to happen again. No, like, no, lucky no. you, lucky you conned one lady. <laughs> Go ahead and don't let her leave. Uh, well, well, okay, once, moving once on. the podcast really blows up, then you're going to get a lot of options. <laughs> oh, baby, um, Dan, I got some questions for you. <laughs> You are a big non-sport guy, or do you collect sport too? What What's your main hobby collection? I'm I'm, I'm mainly known now for uh, pop culture cards. I I did collect sports when I got back into the hobby. I still have some sports cards, and I still buy them every once in a while. But my my content niche is pop culture. Okay, that's what my my thought was, especially going through your Instagram, seeing some of your videos, and it's right up my alley. I gotta admit, but where I really came to to be interested in what you've been posting, what you go over, is when the Disney cacao... It, is it pronounced cacao wow? Do you know? Has anyone actually confirmed I, I always that? call it cacao wow. Okay. All right. I, I feel better then. Cacao wow. So, cacao wow. All right. I like that too. When that came out, that obviously was very, very, very popular. It still is, honestly. It's still... Pricing is still, I think, uh, somewhere around $500 a box. But it obviously came out what I think like one seventy five or something like that. Did you get into that heavy at the beginning? Um, I was only I only got a case of that in the beginning, and the retail of that was like a one fifteen, I think, when I when I got into it. And then within about a month, it just it just caught fire. Um, but I always I only got one case, not thinking much of it. I I kicked myself. I wish I would have just bought as many as I could at the time. But who could have predicted how? Uh, how popular that would that set would become, um, but I only got one case of it. Do you? So I think I don't know when it came out. Actually, I just right before the podcast started, I went on eBay uh, and I bought three boxes of the Weiss Schwartz Disney One Hundred. Are you getting into that at all? Uh, no, I haven't got into that. Um, you know, I got a lot of backlash for the the Kaka Wow card, so I just thought to myself, okay, let's just let's just cool it on the on the uh, the White Sports set. I'll probably buy some singles, um, but I don't want to like start a controversy over this one too. I just want to let it. I just want to let it be out there and have people enjoy it. Okay, so I'm glad you said that because Segway. you know we got to ask. Um, so one of the questions is, and it the, the, one of our Facebook uh, guys reached out and even showed some evidence on eBay of what some would call pump and dump. And it doesn't mean that anybody specifically was, but this person in the picture, uh, it was just a Buzz Lightyear card that had tons of bids up to, uh, I think, $1,700 or something. I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, $7,100. And it's all by people with like zero feedback, never bought anything in the past. So it would indicate that there is evidence that there's pumping going. You have been called out for something similar. What do you have to say about that just in general? Because I I know you've got to have an answer at this point. I mean, you know, I I think what people are concerned about is probably 
manipulation to some extent. And I think that applies to any card, any, uh, any category in the hobby. And I don't know if there's a good solution to that. Um, but I don't, I don't really go into anything just assuming that that's the case. You know, I, I think that a lot of times the, the message that, that those people that try to make content about that stuff, um, they're trying to, they're trying to make a very general statement just to kind of rile people up to do what I call create like false grievances about people. And it's very selective. It's, I call it selective outrage. They'll pick like one product like Disney, for example, and they'll say, Oh, you know, this is, this is being pumped to the moon, whatever. It's too expensive. But yet other things that like Trey card, Trey young cards have been, have been, had, had that, had that stereotype and that allegation for, for over a year now, you know, and they never say anything, you know, eminence boxes that are way high they never say anything about that so i just call it like selective outrage but to to answer your question i mean i don't know like i think does it happen on ebay probably is it is it in anyone's control to to monitor that stuff i don't know um i don't do that stuff but i think what they try to do is they try to single out content creators like myself or anybody on instagram and say that if we talk about these certain products these products are junk. They're not worth anything. So therefore, it's automatically a pump and dump. And I just think that's a that's a gross uh, exaggeration, uh, a, a misconception that they're they're pushing that narrative in the hobby. And I just think it's trash. At this point in your collection and your collecting, do you have um, many products that people would say those were at one point a pump and dump product? Because I know that PMG, the Marvel PMGs. Would have been talked about as a pump and dump. And I think I saw like in your, by the way, I got to admit your collection is absolutely amazing. It's 100% what I'm into in your room that you have it set up in, like with the lighting and the cabinets, it's all very, very cool. I was watching some of your videos and that's when I saw the PMGs in there. And that's when I was like, oh, well, now I got to ask him about that at least. Like, cause that was, you know, alt talking. Uh, a lot of people claim that alt was behind some of that. What are your thoughts as far as? PMGs being pumped? Well, I mean, I think on a high level, yeah, maybe if you want to say that a company was buying them up and, 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 uh, protecting the price of it, you can say that I I've heard people say that about like Michael Jordan, PSA tens, that they're being protected and things like that. So I think on a high level that that stuff does happen, but on like, a consumer level, like an average person's level, like myself, I mean, I just, it, it doesn't really apply. Like the, the whole notion that somebody is pumping up a product because they're, they're holding on to a large inventory of that specific product. And then they immediately sell it off. I mean, I just, it doesn't, I don't think that really applies to the majority of people and you're singling out the wrong people. If you're going to, if you're going to try to make those push that narrative, you've got to focus where it's actually happening on a very high level you know, um, if you want to accuse the companies or a group of individuals to do that, but you can't single out individual people because it just doesn't make sense. Like with, with the, uh, Disney cuckoo wow cards, for example, you know, people were talking about that with me. I only had one case and I was one of the last people to, to get my hands on that case. By the time I got it, the price was already up. I never said anything, be, be, uh, uh, until I got the case in my hands, but yet they were trying to single me out as one of the people, but and I only made a little bit of content about it for about a week until until uh, I didn't have it anymore. Yeah, I didn't see a, a whole ton of content around it, but I, dev- I think it was you were tied to it because you were one of the first that I really saw content on. And of course, the first is going to be associated with it once it turns bad. Yeah, my I, my I overall take, unfair. 
my, my overall take though, I started going through some of your social media. Have, have you been like, was this a recent accusation of pump and dump? Uh, because I noticed like you, you kind of play fun at it with uh, one of the posts. It was like a Marvel, um, one of the Marvel annual sketch cards that has a very interesting, uh, if you, ch- I'm not going to describe what the card looks like, but if you look at it, it, it looks like it's a certain a something. Art. It's a work yeah. Um, but you did make, <laughs> I know it when yeah, I see it, <laughs> you, uh, you made certain reference to, this is something I wouldn't pump in quotation marks. Uh, what, and I saw something else, another mention of pump in one of your other posts. Is that something that is going on for a while or is this just playing along with the recent pump and dump? Oh, allegation? I, I, these, these, there's a, there's a certain small minority group of people that have been trying to, uh, you know, they make, they make content off of my content. Right. So, uh, they may like if you're outside looking in, you might look at it as if like there is a rivalry or, uh, you know, something like that going on. But really, it's just like there's a group of content creators out there where they their their uh, their their gimmick is to make reaction content to other people. And they 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 like to single me out because I'm kind of I kind of stand out in the space because I do pop culture cards versus sports cards like everybody else. So they pick on me a lot and they're always causing, you know they're always trying to get me to do uh, to go onto their podcast or their, or their live streams and defend my collection, defend my, uh, my the way that I participate in the hobby. And I just don't like to, uh, you know, I'm not going to let them take over my, my platform to, to further theirs just because they want to monetize the views and things like that. That's the way that I look at it. Right. It's all about monetization and getting views and getting people to click on their channel. And that's their gimmick. Um, so I, I don't defend anything. I don't try to answer their allegations. I don't uh, justify anything. If anything, I lean into it. So what I do is I just kind of like, if they want to call me a, a pump and dumper, just because I collect star Wars cards, for example, okay, fine. You know, I just, I, I created a hashtag that says pump what you like. I'm always making fun of myself and, and other people for the things that we collect. And we just call ourselves pumper because I want to normalize that word. I think that 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 term pump and dump has been misappropriated from other markets like like crypto, for example, stocks, for example. I don't think it really applies to the hobby the way that we do things here. And I want to try to like normalize it because it, it for a period of time last year, it got so bad where people were hesitant to show off the cards that they were buying because they didn't want to be perceived as a pumper, right? Just because they're showing off and they have a pride of ownership and they're posting a card suddenly there's a mob that attacks them. And I thought that was really wrong. So I took it upon myself to try to like normalize that word as much as I can to, to, to disarm that argument and to uh, take attention away from that narrative. Okay. I can get behind that uh, line of thinking. All right. So, so to prove your innocence in the uh, false allegations of pumping or in the allegations of some that would be false in your idea, it's just a misrepresentation, misrepresentation of the phrasing what do you collect that does not hold value that that does not that you love that you care about but no one's going to spend a ton of money on i'll grab i'll grab it for you right now i'll pull i'll pull something right right here for right now okay do it although do it. i think i think these two cards are worth a lot of money guys okay but <laughs> pump it pump it baby right now don't say that okay number right. one number one my maverick top gun maverick sticker what year is this 1987, if you guys can see that right there. SGC7, that is a handsome looking card, sir. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it. <laughs> I love this card. Okay, I love pop culture. 
Here's another one. I don't know how old you guys are, but if you're my age, you would appreciate this. My RoboCop, Robocop. foil. Oh, dang. Royal, uh, RoboCop foil, RoboCop 2, right there. So cards like that. I can pull some more stuff out here if you guys want to look at something here. Well, that's funny. It's um, So I've got some similar things to that. Like, here's here's oh, a Rambo ticket. Okay. Rambo ticket. Uh, opening day, 1982, Japanese. Man, their tickets look so much cooler than our oh, tickets, yeah. dude. Seriously. That thing has like artwork on it. Um, I totally get this because I, like when Mario came out, I started pulling out my Mario cards to check value. And there is like, very, I mean, unless you had a 10, which a 10 is very hard to get on some of these 80s Mario cards, but it they hold almost no value, but they hold so much sentimental value to me that I can I can get behind why you would still want to collect something like that. And I'm glad, uh, I think the audience is probably glad to know that it's not just a strict, hey, we you're only going to be pushing the things that you may potentially flip in the future. Because obviously you don't flip everything. If you look at your room like we are right now, there's a very large collection you've got there. Um, what As far as your wrestling co- collection, what do you think about John Cena? Well, I'm wearing my John Cena shirt. Uh, in honor of uh, him following you guys today, I got this from oh, you WrestleMania. Saw that. Dang, I was gonna really rub it in. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was. I saw you at WrestleMania. It looked like a pretty amazing event. Uh, I heard that it was like great. free this year or something. That's pretty. Are you? Are you? Have you been a big wrestler fan in the past? Oh yeah, wrestling is what got me back into the hobby. Uh, when I when I took my leave and I was getting back into it, I got back into watching wrestling first. Then I started collecting wrestling figures. Then wrestling cards. And then that led me into sports cards. And then that led me down this rabbit hole where now I just collect all this crap. Okay. So then I do have one other question that is going to go along with, I don't care if people think pump and dump, because I have my own personal opinions on it. My, we have sports guys come on all the time and we have them tell us what their opinion is on what the next sports investment is going to be. What do you think is going to blow up really, really big? What about non-sports? What do you think is the next product that's going to blow up really, really big? And again, guys, if you're listening, you're like, oh, he's just getting him to pump something. It's not what it's what's not what's not happening here. I just wanted to, I don't know. How do I say that without making it sound like I'm if, if part I can of the give issue. you if I can give you a long-winded answer here, okay. Um it couldn't be longer <laughs> than with that explanation. So <laughs> continue. I think okay, this is the common misconception that a lot of people have about the hobby. They the hobby the last couple of years has been very profit focused, right? It's all about how much, like you gauge your success based on how much money you can make in the hobby, how much you can flip a card for, all this stuff, right? That has changed. That When the pandemic boom happened, okay, maybe that was the way it was. We all had this crazy fever for it. But now the the, the landscape has changed and it's gone back to more of its roots of collecting collecting the best cards, building the best collections, things like that, okay? So then we have to ask ourselves, what is collectible, all right? And for me, like I showed you these cards, RoboCop and, you know, uh, Maverick here, Top Gun. For me, what is collectible is whatever resonates with me, whether it's a TV show, movie, a sports team, a player, whatever, a comic book, toy, whatever, whatever resonates with me, um, I want to have a little, little physical representation of that item. You know, I love the movie RoboCop as a kid. I watched it one, two, three. Um, so now, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, I don't have RoboCop in my, in my, 
collection, but I want to hold a little tiny piece of Robocop that I can hold in my hand and it makes me feel good, right? That's what collecting is about. You get a little physical representation of something that makes you feel good. And whatever it is, any, anything can be collectible at any time. Everything's collectible. I've met people that collect all sorts of crap um, and, and that would appear worthless to 99% of the people in the world. But at any given moment, something could get attention, the right exposure, and it could become very collectible based on demand, which will raise the value of it. So for me, uh, to answer your question specifically here, what I look for uh, for non-sports stuff is things that have strong IPs, uh, intellectual property like Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, as an example, things that are relevant where they make con- they, they continue to make new content, TV shows, movies, toys, things like that. And if it has a strong IP, if the content is relevant and there's, there's a potential for a big demand, then that's, that's the kind of stuff that I look for. Okay. So anything coming up that you would say has a strong IP that you think guys should get in if they either want to collect or make an investment on? Uh, you could argue that this is already there, but I would say wrestling. I just came back from WrestleMania, and believe me, I was in a stadium with eighty thousand people going nuts over. Bill Simmons was there with his son. Product, you know, and m- the majority of wrestling fans out there do not collect wrestling cards yet because it hasn't been marketed properly to them. But if Panini or whoever is in charge of the license, if they made some commercials, if they got some WWE superstars to promote it the way that Topps is doing with baseball, if they do a lot of fun marketing about it, then believe me, those fans will want to collect uh, those cards. I, I set up with my buddy Merlin at WrestleCon during WrestleMania we weekend. Mm-hmm. We had all our wrestling cards out there and we got a ton of interest in them. It's just that people don't understand how to collect wrestling cards. They, they can't associate a price with it, right? Uh, yet, like the way that we do with sports cards, nobody's going to spend $1,000 on a card um, because they don't understand it. But once that education is there, once that marketing is there, I think that there's a lot of potential for for wrestling to grow. Okay. Um, I really appreciate this, Dan. Mike, uh, any questions about non-sports? Yeah, my only question is the Marvel thing. I, I kind of got into Marvel uh, a little bit after like the, it started to come down, which was kind of nice. So what are your what are your thoughts on the Marvel market? Obviously, it's you know, super down right now. Is it something you think continues to fall? Or is it something we've seen a leveling off? I think it's probably leveled off compared to where it was. You gotta, you guys gotta remember like before the PMG boom of last year, Marvel cards were like a couple hundred bucks, you know, for the best right. cards mm-hmm. out there. And then what happened is again, like if you look at a card, I'll, I'll use this Robocop card, for example. Actually, you know what? I'll pull it just so it's relevant here. Okay. I'll pull I'll pull this card just because I want to show you guys why I love Marvel cards. Look at that one. Ooh, beautiful. Okay. I can't so see who that is. Who is that one? Oh, it's a Batgirl. Oh, Batgirl. No, 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 no. Oh, Batgirl. Come on. This is this is Emma tell. Frost. Okay. Oh, it is? Emma Dude, Frost. I, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, That's that, my bad. White Queen. I, I've, okay. I've offended a lot of people. Okay. So there it is right there. Okay. Screenshot that if you guys want for later's use. Okay. Screened it. Um, so with with Marvel cards, right? Hey, hang on, um, hang on, Daniel. Where the where the studio? How are we supposed to? Sc- I, oh. I screened it. I screened. We got it. it. We screened. Okay, never mind. We got it. We're good. We got it. Okay. My go. favorite moment so far. Okay. There you go. So roll on. So here's the thing with Marvel cards. They were primarily collected by Marvel collectors, and Marvel collectors are not the same as sports card collectors. Sports cards collectors are very sophisticated in terms of they factor in profit. Uh, resale, all that stuff, right? Rarity of cards, grading, all that stuff. So when people that that play in that game where they buy high grade, 
rare cards, numbered cards, things like that. And then they, they turn around, they flip it, or they send it to auction, things like that. When those people migrated over to the market, Marvel market, that's when you saw the spike in price because it, you had a different demographic of people coming in there and they, they did it differently. You know, most Marvel collectors, they buy something and they hold onto it forever and they just put it in their, on their bookshelf. But when you had the, the, the sports card community go in there, that's what caused a rise in it. Um, now that, now they also moved on from other things. So that's where the level price off. But I think Marvel, it hits, it checks those boxes, which I was talking about earlier. It's strong IP, huge fan base, uh, relevant content. And as long as the person, who, the company that holds a license, which I think is Upper Deck, as long as Upper Deck continues to make good products, and if they make the products in a way that other people, other sports card investors understand where they make like PMGs, which is a legacy brand of basketball, if they make uh, numbered cards, if they make, um, uh, you know, uh, if, they, if the cards grade high and, and PSA grades and things like that, and you get that transition of people going in and playing there, then I think that that has potential too. Um, and if it doesn't, there's always going to be that strong collector base that will pay for those things. But there's going to be probably a um, a ceiling to that just b- based on their their threshold for how much money they spend in the hobby. Okay, very cool. Um, la- okay, very very last question then. Do you collect Pokemon at all? I noticed you collect everything, but I haven't seen much Pokemon, so I was just curious. I have a little bit of Pokemon. Um, I I tried to get into it, but you know what? Pokemon for me is very difficult. Like. I put, I'll pull this out here just to show you. I'm always, I always have to defend my nerd cred. Okay. So I do have some okay. Pokemon stuff. I do have some Pokemon cards here, but, um, Pokemon, the, uh, the, the learning curve on that is so high for me. I tried to get into it, but it's a completely different market. And uh, it's just, it's just too much for me to really dive into. Um, I kind of like to be like a generalist where I like to collect a bunch of different types of things and to be, to be able to do Pokemon right, you got to be like all in it. Um, the same way you got to be like all in the sports cards. Uh, you're doing that, but I do like pro- Pokemon. I buy a couple cards here today. I love the product. I love the artwork on it. Uh, I'm just not like it's just not my main thing. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, Dan, thank you very very much. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, hoping, wishing you all the best of success. And at this point, uh, send us any extra non-sports card <laughs> stuff you got because I want it. There's and you've plug. got you got a few. Uh, extras when you guys in there, change so. your your name to the non-sports cards nonsense show, then I will do that. <laughs> That's happening. Thinking about it. Rolls Dan, right thank off the you, top. man. That's yeah, right. exactly. So there you go. The great curator on Instagram. If you want to check Dan out and follow his collection there. And YouTube, guys. YouTube. Check me out on YouTube. I have a show podcast myself. It's called Between Two Slabs every Tuesday. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, guys. All right. Well. That brings us back to the studio. Mike and I solo feels very awkward because we've been recording for the last 15 minutes with people on the pod. Um, Mike, anything else you want to talk about? Pretty much covered everything. We, I mean, we have things to talk about. We have notes. There's NBA playoffs. We've got hobby news, but I'm going to, I'm not going to lie to you. You look like you either want to kill yourself or you want to go to take a nap. And I think either one would be fine if you're not going to be in it. Okay. A lot of information back to back. I like Aram a lot. A lot of facts. There's a back to back. You had a lot going on with him. I thought you were enjoying it, but then at the end, I I was was like, but it was just a lot. Okay. No, no, I enjoyed it. Uh, And then the other stuff, I don't. You don't care, and that's fair. It's not that I don't care. It's tough for me. First of all, I don't what the screenshot thing. That was the first time I woke up there. What are we talking about? I like. I think he he was a nice. This is a recorded podcast, like where there's going to be video. He's a nice. He was a nice enough guy. Um. 
the pump and dump stuff, though, I just didn't do my re- honestly. This is on me. I didn't do my research ahead of time to get specific examples, like with that Marvel thing. So, and I just kind of don't. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of just checked out. That's on. That's I on me. Get, I I've looked into it. No one has ever given me a specific example that it, like he was obviously pumping and dumping something, other than the fact that he was all into something while other people were pumping and dumping. Yeah, which is fine. And again, here's the other thing. I don't know how many of our audience care about that anyways, or listen or pay attention on sports or even follow on Instagram. So I'm just kind of like, eh, it's I fine. Mean, Different point of view. We got to talk about some cards we don't normally talk about, so that was good. Yeah, exactly. I am good just wrapping up with Mailbag. Uh, okay, we can do that. I Well, just uh, just a couple hobby notes real quick. There were a couple uh, interesting things that I feel like we should talk about very quickly. One was that they're saying that this year's national is going to be the biggest ever. Why? They're... They're expanding it another two hundred thousand feet square feet. I don't, I don't know, Michael. I, I don't buy it. You don't buy it? Okay. I mean, it would be hard to get bigger than last year. I think I, last year I thought it was almost too big as as is. It's a massive show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Okay. Well, that's what they're saying. Who I guess we'll find out soon enough. Uh, Fanatics is expanding. They are building new offices in Dallas. That's where all the poaching is going on. Oh, by the, speaking of poaching, yeah, Indy the intern. Has oh. to step away from the show. He's been here since day one. Well, he's not gone. He, I think he's got another few weeks, though. But that's it. <laughs> but he's, he's leaving us, us for Nash, for fanatics. That. So um, there's your send. We off. wish him all the best. Well, well we're not. Really, I hope he gets fired so he comes still, back. What? Is that right? <laughs> what did you say? He's still on. He's still working with us. All right. Anyway, um, and then lastly, I saw this was was pretty interesting. One, well, actually, two. Lastly. Babe Ruth had a bat that just sold for almost $2 million. Highest sale of a bat ever. $1.85 million, to be Not exact. bad for a guy who's been dead for 50 years. <laughs> the, Good for him. The Ruth family. The, okay. They make candy bars now, and they're going to be very happy. They've got plenty of money, though. Um, and then there is the PSA parent company. Um, they, Collectors. Collectors mm-hmm. has closed on a line of credit of 125 million dollars. We should buy the app. They what have any live streaming going on? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Who knows? But they've got a lot of money to spend. Um, a lot of grading companies trying to expand right now. I think SGC is just moving into, they're, they're moving massive into new place. Yep. massive new offices. Um, yeah, it's very interesting to see what's going to be happening over the next six months in the hobby. There you go. There's a few Great hobby Lakes updates. card show. We will have a nice big presence there on the main stage. It's happening this weekend in Cleveland. Is Cleveland on the Great Lakes? I guess how Ohio is. Okay. Yep. I'm Maybe sorry. Not, I don't know. Great Lakes Country is what it's called. Tim will be going up there. Tim, Dr. Collectible, they'll be helping to rep oh, the brand because neither one of us could make it. Hello. So, Isn't yeah. ESPN going to be there? That's <clears throat> what I've been told. They're like on stage with ESPN Plus or something like that? I think I have an interview tomorrow with them, as a matter of fact, on Zoom. Oh, to do what? And then we're supposed to have somebody from the show come and kind of recap it afterwards. I, I would be interested to see if a major just news organization like that ever wanted to get involved hands-on with either shows or product or something. I actually oh. think that'd be massive. Because yeah, how I many mean, people watch ESPN? Like, whatever, hundreds of millions. Well, I don't know how many, tens of millions, not hundreds probably. So they're At sports fans. Oh, tens of millions watch Maybe ESPN. Million. No. Seven million. Keep going. Seven and a half million. A little higher. <sighs> Seven point. So my point is, um, yeah, I think it'd be awesome for an organization like that that has such a massive reach if they were to ever like highlight the hobby. I think that'd be great. So I couldn't agree more. Um, Sounds like you could disagree more. No, I'm seven, excited for the six car and show. a half million. 
You know what? Now I hate Here's you. Here's the no. thing. I think you're <laughs> overestimating how many people watch TV anymore. I think it's a lot of YouTube Google it right now. Ask Chat GPT. What do you want me to ask it? How though? many people watch ESPN Just annually? Ever annually? You didn't say annually. What do you base it on? Like a day? I don't know. There's yeah. not tens of millions every day. How many people watch ESPN annually? ESPN annual. You were about to be. You were going to look. I like guarantee a fool. it's tens of millions. Annually is different than I thought we were talking about it on how a many? daily basis. Say the number. 65. There's a 24 drop from its oh, peak in 2011. Good. No, no, this is okay. good. Good audio. Right, it's down. So if you break it down on a daily basis, I am really, really How correct. How many annually? 84 million. Okay. And we're good. We don't even have to do mailbag. We're done. <laughs> I haven't been able to insult you or prove you wrong any, at any time today, yet today, so... I I no mailbag. Actually, we answered a good amount of the questions. Yeah, there was fine. a newbie question. Can we at least get the newbies Give me question? The noob. All right, newbie question from Javen Kuhn. Man, I have no idea if any I just said is right. The newbie question may be asked like this: If I hypothetically were to pull the hit of a lifetime that would sell for quite a lot of money, and I wanted to move it fast, what are the best steps to take? Depending on value, I just send it to a major eBay consigner or Golden, one of the big, a Golden PWCC, one of the major auction houses. Go back and listen to last episode, I believe, maybe the episode before where we talked about uh, what you do with a very expensive card, just because you can also, if it is very expensive, you can sometimes work with those auction companies on the buyer premium. Under 25 grand though, maybe even under 20, I'm just going eBay with a major consigner. Very simple. Okay. So yeah. like PC or PC or anything? Or, well, walk off does grading, but yeah. <laughs> five star cards. Five star cards. Yeah, I, would, I, I me. mean, those are the two I've worked with Zach and Josh over at PC, and we work with Matt over at Sellers. So, yeah, I would use one of those two, and I would just consign it. If it's like a $50,000 card, I'm probably going PWCC or Golden for an auction. Okay. And I'm going to try to get some of the buyer premium. There you go. Thank you, Javen. Javen. Uh, that's your show. Go ahead and end it out. I did buy a bunch last night too, though. Oh by the my way. goodness. Do you want to end or do you want to talk? 2020, 2020 Bowman. Here's your pump and dump. <laughs> that product is loaded. I was actually shocked the rep got us any. Anthony Volpe, Jason Dominguez. I didn't realize you talked about this. Right? I know. Okay. Bobby Witt. The other guy I forgot though. Jeremy Pena's first is also in that. Ooh, Pena. Four like major guys. That's a good product, dude. I was pumped. I got it for like three, 375 a box, which, which again, in the grand scheme of things with Bowman. That's a weird little outlier. So I did get that. Like I mentioned, I got that Weiss and Short or yeah, Weiss and Shorts. White Weiss and Shorts. Uh, the Disney 100. It's honestly, the artwork is very, very cool. Much cooler than the other ones. I am curious if it does anything like the Kakao. Because See if you can have Dan pump it up for you. <laughs> I, was, I almost said it. I was like, all right, can, can you at least talk about I it? I can't bro? wait. I can't wait till you, that. I gave him the opportunity. Yeah, that didn't private even do correspondence it. between you and him comes out and the show just gets canceled. That'd be nice. But it was only 136 a box on eBay. And like back when I was trying to buy the other, the cacao, I was like going for like 150 or something. I said, nah, too high. And I didn't buy any. This time I said, no, nah, I'm doing it. And it's probably just going to drop in price. Monday, sure. by the way, we need to recap heavily the playoffs oh monday we have guests coming on what do we have on monday by the way because because the playoffs are actually somewhat set now you get the hawks are playing the celtics they clinch the seven seed and the lakers are playing memphis which i think is a nightmare scenario for memphis hey did you ever hear back from layton uh yeah, to he come said, on the 20th 
He can't make it. He's traveling. Oh, okay. So maybe next week, maybe the first episode we don't have a guest on for a while. Maybe I'll ask Chris Vernon to come on. Oh, yeah. There you go. He could recap. He could recap um, some basketball. Coach Co, I believe, is scheduled for the 17th. So Okay. We have guests. That would be Monday. That's your show. <sighs> We're done here. All right. Sports Cards Nonsense brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, powered by Spotify. Spotify. We'll be back on Monday, Monday. and goodbye. Goodbye.